Welcome to the Leadership Window Podcast with Patrick Jinks. Each week, through a social sector lens, Patrick interviews leaders and experts and puts us in touch with trends and tips for leading effectively. Patrick is an LSI certified leadership coach, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, a best-selling author, award-winning photographer, and professional speaker. And now, here's Patrick. Happy Memorial Day, everyone. That is, if you're listening to this episode on the day it was released, Memorial Day 2021. This is episode 43 of the Leadership Window podcast. Glad you are along. This is a solo episode. Just have a few things on my mind I thought I would share with you today. And uh, we'll get to those shortly. First, a quick message from our sponsor, Leadership Systems. Hey, this is Michael Wallace with Leadership Systems Incorporated. And on behalf of LSI, I want to say thanks for supporting our friend Patrick Jinks and the Leadership Window podcast. We've been partnering with Patrick for many years, and we are so proud to have him represent us as an LSI certified executive coach. As a mutual friend, we'd like to offer you exclusive rates on some of the same training that Patrick has received over the years, as well as some new experiences that we've been developing. Head over to leadershipsystems.com slash jinx to see the upcoming training events on our calendar and register today to keep learning and growing. Again, that's leadershipsystems.com slash jinx, J-I-N-K-S, for exclusive pricing on LSI's virtual and in-person training events. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Michael and Jim and Taylor and all the folks at Leadership Systems Incorporated. High Point, North Carolina, great place to go if you want to learn more about being an effective coach, either as a business or just in the workplace as a leader of people. Uh, Great place to go, and um, I appreciate the support that they continue to provide for the Jinx Perspective. Uh, so it is Memorial Day, and I, I, there is one thing I want to say about uh, Memorial Day. I often hear from veterans that Memorial Day is not the same as Veterans Day, and of course it isn't. And some veterans I've even heard get a little annoyed because when people want to sort of celebrate veterans and celebrate the military, I will often hear veterans say Memorial Day is about those those fallen soldiers, um, those who are no longer here, who fought for our freedom and paid the ultimate price. And they're right. That is that is about Memorial Day. I always say, leave it to a veteran to make sure the attention's not on them. They're they're like, we're still here. This this is not memorializing us as veterans. So don't thank a veteran thank those that have gone on. And I really do appreciate that. And a veteran has the right to say that I'm not a veteran. I am the son of um, a veteran and I have a tremendous amount of respect, but here's what I would say. I would say it is a time to honor the fallen, but for me, I can't help it. I, I, it's still a time. It's a reminder to appreciate all veterans because even the veterans who are alive today are out there willing to pay the ultimate price. And so I understand the difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day, but I'm still going to say thanks. And the reality is we should probably thank our veterans every day. So anyway, there you have it. I do have a high amount of honor and reverence for those that have paid the ultimate price. And I know many of you have lost 
soldiers in your families. And um, so this is about you too. Someone told me that a long time ago. I, I said, you know, I'm not in the military in there, or I, I don't have a military background. They say, yeah, you do. And yeah, you are. When the, when the person is in the military, the family is in the military. And that is true. So some of you have paid the ultimate price and lost loved ones um, in the effort of maintaining freedom. So I appreciate it. And um, I hope all of you can pause to remember that. Just a few things on my mind for this week's episode. This isn't going to be a long one. (laughs) Sometimes I like to just take the prerogative to have a solo episode to just kind of say some things that are on my mind. And sometimes they come out of frustration. This, This first one does. And uh, the second one is more of an admonition that I try to give myself as well as the leaders that I coach. And so is the third one. The first one, I just want to throw a reminder out there for everybody, just a friendly reminder. Um, We have all let people down. I have certainly let people down. I have not been perfect. I have made commitments that I wasn't able to keep for one reason or another. But I try really hard not to be that person. And in fact, so much so that the smallest of commitments mean as much as the big ones to me. If it is a, uh, you know, a lunch date, a phone, an agreed upon time for a phone call, or I'll send you this email by Wednesday, (laughs) small commitments, they mean a lot. They mean a lot to me and I try my best to keep them. Things will come up in our lives. We can't control it all. But I will tell you, I, I, I'm often left disillusioned, disappointed in the number of people who just don't take their commitments very seriously. Uh, you know, it's I, I, I'll, I'll make a commitment, but yeah, that's not that big a deal. You know, if I don't send you that email on Wednesday, it's not that big a deal. If I call you the morning and say, you know, I know we had lunch plan. I'm not going to be able to make it. it. It's not that big a deal. If I don't return a phone call or if I tell you I'll be somewhere and I'm just not, and I make some excuse for it, it's really not that big a deal. I have worked with people and, I, and I've known people who will make a commitment, but to them there's always the open door. I'll commit to you unless something better or more important to me, something of greater value to me, greater interest to me. If it comes up between now and the time of the commitment, all bets are off. I mean, I, I've, you've known them, I've known them. And I tell you, nothing frustrates me more than that. I have a, um, you know, I, I will, I will set up my schedule in such a way that if I made a commitment to you, a time commitment, like again, lunch at noon, right. Or a coaching call. I mean, this happens sometimes with clients, you know, I've got a coaching call scheduled with you at three o'clock on my calendar. Not only do I book it from three o'clock to four o'clock or whatever it is, but I create what's called a buffer space on my calendar on either side of the appointment so that I have a few minutes to fully prepare and be present and that I have a few minutes after the call and in case the call needs to go a little bit longer and you need a little bit more of my time. So I have 30 minute buffers that I put on either side of an appointment. And when that buffer happens, 
with my system, people who use my online scheduling system to try to schedule something with me, that buffer space is not available on the calendar for them. They can't even see it. It is not accessible to them. So what I have done is I've carved out not only my appointment time with you, but additional time to make sure that I'm fully present for that appointment time so that nobody else has access to me during that time. And if I get an email from you an hour before the call or worse, you don't, you just don't show for the call. Well, that's about two hours out of an hour long appointment that I have just lost. And, you know, some people say, well, you know, just take that two hours and do something else. Can't you just back up your calendar and move everything? You know, that gives you two hours to a free time. You can do, do whatever you want. It doesn't work that way. It's a commitment. You, you, you set aside this time and you say, this is what I'm going to do. And I schedule everything else around that. So if I need to go somewhere, I know, well, I can't go at two o'clock or at three o'clock or whatever time. I will set it up to go at 4.30. Well, if it's an appointment that I've made with someone else, I can't just move that appointment to two now and say, hey, uh, I'm, I'm released earlier, so I expect you to change your schedule around me. I'm, you can hear I'm ranting about this. The, these are the kinds of things, and it's, it's client calls are one example. Sometimes it's just, a, sometimes it's just personal. Sometimes just somebody saying they're going to be somewhere or do something, and they just don't. And for some people, it's just you can count on not counting on them. You know, and I know people who have a reputation for it. Like, yeah, you, you know, you can book it, but don't count on it. Just, just know, like prepare a plan B because you will likely need a plan B for this individual. I don't want to be that person. And let me say right now for any of you that I've ever let down in such a way, Lord, please forgive me and give me another chance. Um, I really try hard not to do that. And sometimes I even, I have chastised myself at times and said, you know, maybe you need to be like everybody else and just blow it off. Who, you know, who cares? They'll get over it, right? It's, it's about me. Um, It's not, it's about others. And when you make a commitment and you keep it, it builds trust and it builds credibility, and it reveals character. So just a reminder, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says something to the effect of Jesus telling his followers, um, when you say yes, mean yes. Like yes means yes, period. When you say no, that means no. Just let your yay be yay. Let your nay be nay. (laughs) Be that kind of person. In fact, he said anything short of that, he called it evil. So anyway, try to let your yays be a and your nays be nay. Try to be someone that you can depend on. One of the things that we measure in organizations is trust. And we measure trust along the Covey model, which we've talked about on the show a lot. Two sides to trust. I have to trust your character and I also have to trust your competence. Well, on the character side, that is, are you reliable? Partly part of the character equation is, are you reliable? Do you do what you say you will do. And if you don't enough times, I no longer trust you. And then you wonder, I don't understand why people don't trust me. Or you think you're trusted, 
but then you, maybe you do a 360 assessment and the trust scores come back and they're not very high. And you're like, I don't get it. Well, if you don't say, if you don't do what you say, you can break down trust. So it's really important. That trust is really difficult to get back. And um, I appreciate the people who have given me second chances. We all need them. It's that third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chance. Like when it becomes the thing. Speaking of it being about other people leads me to my second thought for the week. And uh, this has just come up a lot. It's come up a lot in coaching. It's come up on the episodes with guests that I've had. Um, and you've heard me talk about leadership is not soft skills. And I get what soft skills mean. They're harder to measure. They're you know a little less tangible kinds of things. But um, I think it's I think the word soft can be misinterpreted if you're not careful. It has a connotation to it. So I think leadership is anything but soft. I think it is the work. Leadership is the work. If you are in a leadership role, particularly like a CEO of an organization. Your work is to lead, period. You're not, your job is not to be the performer. Um, you, you can do that. You know, bring, your, bring your best self. We'll talk about that as the sort of third tenet of the day. But, but your real job is to shape a path for others to succeed. That's it. As a leader, your job is to shape a path for others to succeed. And what that requires is that you show up for your people you don't show up for you you show up for your people um again I, this is a self-admonition as much as anything i've shown up for myself before um and i have found that i'm not nearly as productive valuable transformational effective when i've done that because it shows and people know it and they recognize it. It's when I'm able to remind myself, this is about other people. This is about them walking away better for the experience. That's what it's about. Wrote a blog a number of years ago called, do people feel taller or smaller when they've had an interaction with you? And the work of the leader is to make them feel taller. And when you are there to make yourself feel taller, well, then everybody else feels smaller. That's not leadership. That's just arrogance. I've been guilty of it. I've seen, I've seen great leaders be guilty of it at times. Our egos are real human things. When I have reminded myself and successfully prepared myself to be present with the people I lead, that's when I've been the most effective. So I just want to pass that little piece of experience along. Uh, it's something I think we probably all have to work on some of us to in to a greater degree than others. Um, but, but do that. I was coaching an executive of, um, a for-profit corporation a number of years ago. And I've told this story. They, they, they asked me, the executive asked me, he said, um, look, I've got about 45 minutes one way to work each day. My commute one way is about 45 minutes. And I'm thinking about ways to utilize that time productively. It's, it's a 45 minutes on either side of my work day. Um, is there something that I could do during that time that, that would add value 
and I was, this was one of my good coaching moments because I could have said all kinds of things, just giving him advice. Yeah, here's what you do. Instead, I asked him a question. It was a bit of a leading question, but it at least got him to think. And my question was, well, let me ask you this. If you asked yourself three questions on your way to work every day, the same three questions every day, what would those three questions be? The answers to which would fill that 45 minutes with meaningful, thoughtful, effective, advancing content. And he said, wow, I'm really going to have to think about that. And when we got off the call, we had another call scheduled for, I think, a month out. He called in about a week and he said, man, I just can't, I just can't wait for our next call. I need to tell you this. I've been, I came up with my questions the night we were on the phone and the next day I started asking myself those questions and he said, it's been one week and it's transformational. It's been absolutely transformational. I said, tell me what the questions were. He said, they're real simple. Question one is what contribution of value will I make to the organization today? driving to work. What contribution of value will I make to the organization today specifically? Second question, what contribution of value will I make to an individual today? Third question, what contribution of value will I make to myself today? And he was proud of those questions. And I thought those are great. I mean, make me think about that each day. And, uh, I said, that's fantastic. And he goes, guess what the questions are coming home. I said, well, I think I can guess, but tell me I would have been right. He said, questions coming home. What contribution of value did I make to the organization today? Question two, what contribution of value did I make to an individual today? with sub questions, right? Who was the individual and what was the contribution? And then the third question, what contribution of value did I give myself today? How did I advance me today? I absolutely love that set of questions. And I'm, I wish I had come up with them. I wish I had practiced those on all my commutes to work throughout the years of doing organizational leadership. Great questions. What it required him to do is show up and he put himself, he included himself in there, which I like, we want to develop ourselves. How are we growing ourselves? But he put himself last. The first was, how am I going to grow the organization? How am I going to grow someone else? What contribution of value am I going to make to them? You walk in the door with those questions and answers intentionally on your mind, you show up differently. It's just different. You're there with purpose. I hope to always show up for the leaders that I, that I lead, for the coaches that I coach, for the audiences I speak to, uh, to, the, to the readers that I write for. I want to show up for them. And again, when I show up for them, that's when I get the most value over the long term, not when I show up for me. So a reminder to myself 
and hopefully an inspiration to you. Now, here's the third one. I've actually been uh, wanting to do uh, one of my video episodes on this, and I, I just haven't. And I maybe it's because I just have struggled writing a script for it. I think I just want to think out loud for a minute about this. Um, it came up specifically in a coaching conversation I had sometime last year, fairly early last year, um, talking to an individual who who shared with me their um, how would I put this? Uh, just the very honest and open admission that there's a person in their organization that brings out the worst in them. <laughs> so, we've all had those. We still have them. Who are the people that bring out the worst in you? And, um, she told me, yeah, I just, I, I'm not myself around this person. They frustrate me and I get, I get, twisted all kinds of ways and I'm just I'm not my authentic self with them and the question just popped in my head to whom do you seed your best self c-e-d-e to whom do you seed your best self in other words um who who are you sacrificing your best self for and and allowing yourself not to be that best person that you can be. Who is that? And what is it that's, that they're doing that pulls that out of you? And so my advice is don't sacrifice your best self for anyone. Give your best self to everyone. A few years ago, I had an executive coach coaching me who did a 360 assessment and his version of a 360 was to just interview some of my key stakeholders, typical 360, you know, my, my managers who were board members at the time and some of my direct reports and peers and even my spouse. And one of the questions he asked, I've learned to ask this of, of um, people when I do these types of 360s, one of the questions he asked is what is, what is, Patrick doing when he is the most motivated, his best self, when, what, what, where does he find his mojo? What's going on that brings out the very, very best in him? And those responses were um, enlightening. They were affirming. Um, you know, people said that Patrick is his best self when he is, when he has an audience, right? When he, when he's sort of performing, he's got someone to speak to or write to, or a vision to cast. He's at his best self under pressure. Heard that. Um, he's at his best self when he uh, feels personally challenged to, to achieve something. And then the next question you can anticipate, when is Patrick at his worst self? What are the things that bring him down that um, dilute or just sap his energy? You know, and you hear things like, well, when someone lets him down, like doesn't keep a commitment, <laughs> that that will frustrate him. Or, you know, when he's tired, that that I think is one for all of us. Sometimes when we're tired, we don't and we don't even realize it, but we're we can't be our best selves when we're just exhausted. Um sometimes we're not our best self our best selves when we're uncertain about something, when we're intimidated by someone, we're not our best self. It really does come up a lot though in exhaustion. And the problem is other people see it before we do. 
And that's the danger. That's the blind spot. Other people, and they might not recognize it as exhaustion. They just recognize it as uh, not seeing the best of this leader right now. Something's off. Um, uh, people who know me know that I'm a big St. Louis Cardinals fan. I'm, I've never necessarily been a baseball fan, but the Cardinals have made me much more of a baseball fan and I understand more about the sport. And one of the things I understand about it is when a pitcher is on the mound pitching in a game, uh, the manager has to know when to pull the pitcher and, and bring in a substitute pitcher, right? What they call the bullpen. Well, when do I go to my bullpen and pull up a relief pitcher? Because maybe tonight just wasn't this pitcher's night, or maybe tonight the matchup just doesn't work. I got a right-handed pitcher, pitching to a lot of left-handed batters that are just eating him alive. Or maybe he started out well in the game, but by the sixth inning, you could just tell he was starting to get tired. And that's when they call it the eye test. It's not, some managers go by pitch count. If my, when my pitcher gets to 80 pitches, I'm pulling him. I don't care how good he's doing. I'm pulling him at 80 pitches because after that, I know that, you know, it's going to start going downhill. I don't want to replace him before it's too late. Other pitchers, other managers use what's called the eye test. And I'm just going to watch. I'm just going to see, does he drop his shoulder? Does he start dropping his shoulder more quickly? You know, does he have that same leg kick? you know, when he's, when he's heading toward the plate with his pitch and they just learn how to watch the real nuances and they can tell this pitcher is not at their best right now. And they can tell it before the pitcher can tell it because they'll walk out, they'll call a timeout, they'll walk out to the mound, they'll talk to the pitcher. And what will the pitcher say every time you can guess this, even if you're not a baseball fan manager comes to the mound and says, Hey, how you feeling? What does the pitcher say every single time? I'm feeling great. I'm fine. I'm good. It's all good. No, I got energy. I'm good. I'm feeling it. Yeah, it's all right. And the manager said, well, I'm just kind of noticing this out of that. Yeah, but I'm, I was just that I'm good. I'm good. We don't, we are in denial about it. We don't recognize it. And it happens to us as leaders. We, we want to think we're Superman, Wonder Woman, whatever we are. We're good. We can, we can lead tired because we're that good. <laughs> Uh, or we don't even recognize we're tired because there's just so much going on and it's so intense. Um, I don't want to be at that point where the manager sees it before I see it. So we're back to the, remember the, the, this precept here, don't sacrifice your best self for anyone. And that means you have to be aware. Am I at my best self? And if you really honestly ask yourself that question throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout your career, uh, it'll help you be a little bit more aware because if you're honest, you can sometimes say, Ooh, you know what? I don't think I really am at my best self right now. Why is that? Um, here's another example. Sometimes people just, people get the best of us, which, which actually means they bring out the worst in us. You ever heard, you ever hear anybody say that? Oh, you just got the best of me well, he didn't really get the best of you. He actually got the worst of you. Um, and that's where the, that's where the paradox in that statement is. But there are people who will do it. People who do it to me, they'll bring out, they'll bring out the worst. They'll get the worst of me because I'm not intentional and aware enough to say, uh-uh, why, why does this person get anything less than my best self? And it's not whether or not they deserve my best. 
It's whether or not I want to always be at my best. Let me say that again, (laughs) because there are times you just, you might think this person doesn't deserve the best of me. The most I have to give my greatest energy, my, my widest bandwidth. This person doesn't deserve that. Maybe they don't, but you do. And so the question is, do I ever want to not be my best self? Why would I ever want to be not my best self? So don't let them have that. Um, I've had it. I've had people get the best of me, which again means they got the worst of me. And I don't want that. I don't want that because I look back, the fact that I'm able to speak into this microphone and say that it's, it's a, it's disappointing. (laughs) I, I wish I could say I'm always at my best. Well, we're not, but we have to be aware when we're not. We have to acknowledge when we're not. We have to be careful, make sure we fill the gaps that need to be filled. Sometimes we might have to call the bullpen on ourselves. Let somebody else take a project or an initiative or a thought process, whatever it is. I won't take the time to go into, you know, a ton of solutions or ideas on this. It starts with awareness self-awareness don't don't let people um, bring down your authentic best self and maybe you're dealing with that right now you got someone at work sometimes it's a board member sometimes it's a board chair (laughs) just it just brings out your worst your frustration your your disappointment you start losing confidence you start losing energy Um, don't cede your best self to anyone. Try to bring your best every single time. That is the jinx perspective for this week, for uh, this episode of the leadership window. I hope that uh, in some way, somehow you can maybe relate to this a little bit. Maybe it's been a little uplifting. Maybe it's given you a chance to be aware, ask yourself some of those tough questions. Am I dependable? Can people count on me? consistently people have high trust in my reliability am i showing up for the people am i showing up for the organization and am i sacrificing my best self am i letting others get the worst of me how can i fix that lead on 